Welcome to the Agoracom Podcast, where investors discover great small cap companies. Thank you for taking Agoracom with you and make sure to follow our podcast. Welcome to Beyond the Press Release, a production of Agoracom, in which we take the time to the small cap executives after they put out news, important news. And today I think we're calling it Beyond the Press Releases because we've got three press releases to talk about. Uh, and I'm talking to Perry Little over Green River Gold. He's a president CEO, trades in Canada, CCR for Friends in the US, CCRRF. If you want to understand the company and you love sports, let me put it to you this way. If you had 300 in baseball, you're in the Hall of Fame. If you shoot 50% from the field in basketball, you're an icon. But if you go 47 for 47 in drilling, well, then you're Green River Gold. And why do we love that? Because as Gold holds firm here in the $2,000 area. But on the other side, electric vehicle revolution is propelling demand for battery metals. The resource industry is presenting investors with the challenging decisions. Do they focus on the allure of gold or seize the opportunities in the burgeoning battery metal sector? Well, Green River is one of those rare small cap resource companies that offers investors both thanks to assembling what I call a powerhouse of projects in, in BC that include the Quinell Nickel Magnesium Talc Project, the Fontaine Gold Project, the Cali Lithium Pegmentite Project, and the Kaimar Silver Project. And what they all have in common is being in some of British Columbia's most highly prospective mining districts. The first press release we're going to talk about, because they're 47 for 47, is the news where the company uh, reported asset results from the Quinell Nickel Project. They intersected, intersected nickel, magnesium, cobalt, and chromium beginning at the bedrock surface for the 47th consecutive hole. Barry, welcome back, my friend. I know that's a mouthful. <laughs> Hi, George. I'm glad you got to say all that. Now I can take it cool. <laughs> it makes it a lot easier for me. Well, I had to set the table, right? Because yeah. it's what you guys are doing is pretty big. This is getting serious now. Right? We we joke about it, but 47 for 47. Last time we talked, you're 45 for 45. Uh, what's happening? What can you tell us about these latest assays? Because I want to also read Kyle Townsend, your mind manager, his quote. But tell us first, you know, why this is so important. We have uh, basically been hitting consistent stuff here now since we started drilling this at the end of 2021. First with some shallow holes. Uh, these are still shallow. We're only going down a little over 100 meters on most of these ones using a winky drill. Uh, but yeah, they're all the same. Uh, it's it's pretty phenomenal. It's a large area. So what we have is a consistent uh, amount of nickel, chromium, uh, cobalt, and magnesium, a lot of magnesium. Uh, over It's 14 kilometers long, and it's about seven square kilometers in total. It's long and skinny. That's a huge area. And everywhere we drilled, we keep hitting the same stuff. So these last holes that we drilled, uh, we're on the sixth hole now. It's one and a half kilometers away from uh, the, the the first hole that we drilled this season, and uh, we're hitting the same stuff. It's remarkably similar. As a matter of fact, when they sent me the assay results for hole number two, uh, they said we got the assay results. I said, "Great, send them to me." So they sent them, and I said, "I think you sent me the wrong ones, right?" And they said, so "Oh, the first two. ones." Yeah, they were one point one kilometers apart, and they were identical on the uh, the nickel. I think it was to uh, and, and the magnesium to the third decimal place. Right? It's pretty phenomenal. What does that consistency tell you, Perry? Like to have that much consistency means 
it's 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 more than just the drills to have those assays to have that consistency is really telling you a story right yeah it is i think the value of this rock uh you know over a large area is going to be significant and it, it makes it very easy to calculate when you've got the same stuff we don't have all kinds of hot pockets in here and we don't find ourselves going down 50 meters before we hit anything of interest we hit uh in the top meter of every hole and right to the bottom of every hole and that's in 47 straight holes now so i think it, it adds up it's going to be very very large uh we don't know how large yet because wow. we haven't made the whole 14 kilometers and we've only gone down uh, i think the deepest hole is 129 meters but uh we'll be bringing in a larger rig that will go down 300 meters and our plan is to drill 20 more holes 300 meters and by the time we're finished that, we'll do a 43-101 resource estimate on uh, the area around zone one. What we've been doing now is we've been actually stepping out on zone one. We got off the big rocky uh, mound, the big outcrop that we call zone one, and we started drilling close to it. And this is basically an extension of zone one. So zone one is large. It takes up a good chunk of the, uh, the entire 14-kilometer uh, long run. And uh, it, it it alone is going to hold the whole thing is almost zone one. Uh, yeah, well, yeah. There's a zone two that's about the same size as zone one. To be honest with you, I, I at this point I'm getting pretty convinced it's going to look the same all the way along. As long as long as we stay on that purple anomaly, uh, we seem to hit the same stuff. Well, so it's I'll not just you. Tough. It's not just you, but Kyle Townsend, because I want to read this quote. He's the mine manager for Green River Gold said, and I'm using an excerpt here, he says, uh, these findings validate the potential for a significant and continuous mineral resource in the project area. So that's the mine manager also. It's not you and me, because some people might say, ah, you know, Perry and George are just, are too excited. What does it mean when, when Kyle puts his name to something like that? Uh, he's not given to exaggeration. Uh, and uh, he's very much a show-me sort of a guy. Uh, we get pitched with a lot of mining projects, and we turn them down left, right, and center, and he's usually sort of the guy, uh, you know, sort of uh, playing their curmudgeon and throwing this stuff out. So it takes a lot to convince him. But at this point, 47 straight holes, we, we're, we're pretty convinced that we've got something really large, and uh, the grades are high enough to make it interesting when it's that large and when it's that accessible and that close to infrastructure. Uh, we haven't talked much about the magnesium, but you now every one of these assays are coming back uh, over 21%. The last three were 21.9, 21.8, 21.5. And again, it's at surface. So, you know, I've had a few people say, why aren't you concentrating on the magnesium potential of this thing? We were originally after nickel and uh, we're stubborn. Yep. We're still talking about the nickel, but the magnesium may actually be the, the hidden value here. So what is the, a lot of people don't talk about magnesium. Let's face it. We talk about gold. We talk about lithium when you, when you, when you, and nickel, when you talk to resource investors, there's not a lot of talk about magnesium. Uh, you, you said 21% magnesium relative. What does that mean to us at home? Cause we don't know if that's Fort Knox or if that's, you know, the, the it's, bottom of the bargain. Bin. You, How good is that? When you get over 20%, you got a lot. And uh, we're consistently clicking along at 21. Um, there's people looking at building standalone magnesium mines with grades that are just slightly higher than that, and the stuff isn't at surface like ours is. So, so I think it's it's got uh, great potential. Magnesium gets used a lot in alloys uh, with aluminum, uh, you know, car parts and whatever. It's it's uh, it's light and it's strong, 
So it has its own uses. There are some emerging battery technologies that may use magnesium as well. So there may be, uh, you know, it might turn out to be a battery metal at some point, but uh, at this point, it's mostly used in, in alloys. Uh, it's in demand. Uh, the demand is growing and it's, you know, well-priced. So it's something that uh, excites us. We, we've kind of kept a, our focus on the nickel when we do our press releases and whatever, but more and more, we're looking at the potential for the magnesium on this. But do you have to choose one over the other, over the other pair? I mean, uh, for the layman at home, you're drilling and drilling, you get a lot of nickel, you get a lot of magnesium. It, 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 are they mutually exclusive or is I don't it think a party because so. you've got both? It's going to depend on the metallurgy and, and how we can separate this stuff. So, uh, you know, we're, we're hopeful that we can recover uh, multiple minerals out of this. We have cobalt in here as well uh, and chromium. So we'll see what all we can separate out of it. And then, of course, we have that one unique area of zone one that we don't talk about much because it confuses people. But it's the one where the talc is, and talc is a, an unusual product that nobody understands. There's no spot market for talc, so it doesn't get a lot of headline. But uh, we have a lot of it at surface. We'll be doing metallurgical work on that as well to see how we could separate the talc. And uh, we think it's possible we could actually take out the talc and then get the nickel out of there as well. And talc is used in a multi multitude of industries. Uh, it's used in pulp and paper, uh, ceramics, plastics. Uh, and we have a lot of it. Again, it starts right at surface. It's only on one area of zone one, but it's big enough to be a potential, uh, a potential source of income for us. And uh, we have a lot of uh, a lot of mills. Pulp and paper is a big uh, industry in BC still. So we're within uh, about an hour, uh, well, say two hours of about five mills that could that could use this product. And I think they're currently getting the product from Montana. So we have talc as well. We don't talk about it much because it could. Yeah, we have. People. It's like, like we can't find the room to talk about the talc because you you, yeah. you got the nickel, you got the magnesium. You know, we're going to talk about lithium in a second. Uh, but how do you feel, and how should shareholders be feeling right now, given the fact you're not a one-trick pony by any means, not in terms of project or even within the Quinell Nickel Project, it's not a one-trick pony either. How de-risked is is the company right now to have this many? Uh, this many options? Uh, that's a good question. I, th I think having the options does reduce the risk. Uh, we'll be doing a lot of metallurgical work over the next little while, and that will help. We're going to be doing a lot of trenching. We'll be able to dig up a, a, a pile of material. Part of it from where the talc is, because we really want to see what happens there. But part of it from where the talc isn't, uh, right around where we're drilling hole number six now, I think we'll do a bunch of trenching around there. We like what we see. And uh, we'll send that in. And one of the great things, we talked about consistency. One of the great things about the consistency of these results is the trenching should be able to tell us a pretty good, give us a pretty good idea on the metallurgy uh, of the overall project, right? Because we've got very similar findings, whether you're at depth or whether you're eight kilometers away, uh, you know, the, the, the stuff looks the same. So that what we get back in the metallurgy should give us a pretty good idea for the whole project. And do you have any concerns about metallurgy because you still haven't really tested for it? Or are you guys pretty confident that you're going to have something reasonable and that it will be an obstacle? We're, we're pretty pleased with what we saw. We did do some preliminary metallurgical stuff on zone one. And uh, that's we, we did it where the talc was. And it turned out that 50% of the material there was talc. Uh, and that's, that's, a, that's a lot of money you get back for your waste rock. Uh, and the uh, nickel... The other thing we we're excited about and interested in was what was the form of the nickel. And the nickel was uh, pentlandite. 97% of it was pentlandite. 
And that's what uh, our friends at Giga Metals have. And it's, it's uh, relatively easy to recover that type of nickel using froth flotation. So the early metallurgy looks really good. Uh, we haven't done a lot of work to see what we could do with the, uh, with the magnesium. It wasn't our focus to begin with, but the more we see these high magnesium numbers, the more we're starting to think that, that could be really interesting. So, so we'll see what happens, but uh, our focus still, in our minds, our focus is still on the nickel. Sure. And we'll see what else sure. happens. And, and uh, you know, there's going to be a lot of demand for nickel, that's for sure. And we did hit, uh, on, on the first hole this year, uh, we, we hit one zone. Uh, on, I don't know what you call it a zone. We, we hit a, a ribbon, if you will, of stuff about halfway down a 120-meter hole. Uh, we ran into about six meters of material that was different. And it had a bunch of lead and zinc and a bit of silver and a bit of gold in it. And it's indicative that somewhere down here, there is something completely different than what our, our main product is. So we could have some sort of porphyry system down here. We, we don't really know. This was sort of semi-massive sulfide uh, material. And other than background readings of lead and zinc, uh, we, we've got nothing in this other stuff. Uh, suddenly we hit this one you know, strip. And it's coming up from beneath, beneath somewhere. So when we do our deeper drilling, we don't know what we're going to hit down there, right? So uh, are, are you volcanic. are you getting noticed by industry people, Perry? Because I know you've spoken at a at a local but you know a significant kind of conference uh, about a month ago. Uh, when you have your peers and your colleagues, because you all you know you're a small fraternity, when they look at some of the numbers that we're coming up with here. Do you get? Do you hear any kind of feedback from them? Uh, I, I don't get anybody saying uh, that thing hasn't got a chance. What are you doing, wasting your time? Uh, <laughs> I did, you know, maybe they're just polite. But uh, no, we, we've we've got a lot of people who are kind of looking at it, going, hmm, you know. And we have had some investment come in from some knowledgeable geologists and people who know what they're doing. So uh, we got to get the metallurgy done. We've got to get the deep drilling done. We got to get a forty-three one hundred one done. And we'll have a lot of that done in the next six months. So, uh, the, well, that's the, what I want to talk about because we've talked about it before, but obviously, new people are hearing about the story. The yeah. next six months, right? It's not we have to. It's not like we have to wait two or three years. The next six months is going to tell us a lot about we're advancing. About we're advancing this thing quickly. We didn't start drilling the last few holes till the very end, or the first few holes till the very end of 2021 on, on the nickel project. So we did some drilling in 22, we did some drilling in 23. We applied for a permit to do deeper drilling, uh, 20 holes, 300 meters deep. That's what we're looking for. Uh, we got delayed a little bit on it. They asked for a ground stability report, which we sent in a while back. And hopefully that'll be the last thing they asked for. Of course, they, you know, it's their prerogative to turn down a permit yeah. or whatever. We don't see anything kinky here that would that would lead that to happen. So we're just in that waiting game. So we're we're doing other types of exploration on the property while we wait for that. But the uh, the game plan is to drill those 20 holes, uh, which we think we can do in about 100 days or so. And we can drill well into the winter there. Uh, you know, I guess the 30 below, obviously, is shut down. But we're only 45 minutes away. We have a big shop in Quinell. So we run our drilling program out of Quinell. So the guys hop in the crew truck in the morning. You go 45 minutes, and they're yeah. on the drill site. So uh, we've already got the drill ready to go. Uh, you know, we're, we're just waiting for the permits to come through and we start drilling on that. Uh, it'll be about 100 days. We compile all that data and uh, most of the holes we drill will be in the area of zone one. 
so that we can do a 43-101 report focused on zone one. This thing's 14 kilometers long. To do a 43-101 report on the entire thing would be a pretty massive undertaking. And uh, so we're going to focus on one small area and then uh, you know, hopefully people will extrapolate a little bit. And, uh, well, by then you'll have had, look, you're at 47 holes now, right? And you're saying adding on another 20 uh, and, and deeper. So that'll be more than enough to at least give us that initial look. It's not going to be your final, but that's going to be enough to get. Do you think that could be ready by March, summer Q1? Yeah, we, we were hoping for the end of Q1. Now that we've been delayed a little bit on the permit, it might sneak into Q2. Uh, you know, we're being pretty aggressive with it. I mean, this is moving pretty quickly, right? So from from uh, from a standing start at the end of 2021, uh, you know, that's more or less when we got the mag survey results and realized there might be something there. The drilling this many holes and 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 doing a 43-101 on the on the uh, report or on the project, I think is is pretty quick. So we've we've been pretty aggressive. We don't slow down, right? I mean, it's uh, we've always got other things going on in the background as well. We get the guys out there drilling, and then we have time to think about other things. And so we've done a little bit of that over the last little while, as you may have noticed. Well, I was going to say, if we had the, if we ended the interview right there, that would be a ton of fantastic, very promising news, something real, something real to look forward to, and we could end it there. And so, okay, Perry, we'll have you back after the results come back for holes four and five because those are done. Six is being drilled right now. And, and we're, there's, we have a lot to talk about. But moving on from Quinnell, which is like moving on, right? Yeah. You also got uh, Cali, right? You're, uh, and the headline here is Green River Gold identifies lithium and rare earth element pathfinders in the first field recognizance program at the Cali Pegmatite pro, uh, Project. So First question, what are pathfinders <laughs> at the end of the day, yeah. right? So I got an idea. It sounds like uh, it doesn't take a lot to put Sherlock Holmes together that, but you know, wh what are pathfinders? What are they significant? What you found, what are they significant? Well, I think geology is a lot like uh, high school, right? Uh, you're identified by the people you hang out with. So, you know, I was <laughs> considered a nerd. <laughs> because <laughs> the people I hung out with. I don't know what you were, George, but uh, anyway, uh, yeah, certain minerals. I was like a Gino. I was a Gino. I had the long hair, you know, the Greek-Italian look. So you and I were a little bit opposite. <laughs> I was a bigger nerd than you probably. <laughs> so anyway, uh, certain minerals hang out with other minerals. And uh, what, what, we, uh, what we knew, uh, this is an interesting project. It's about three hours from our shop is uh, the, the Cali project. So it, not quite the same, uh, you know, morning commute, uh, but it's not a long ways away. It's pretty easily accessible. Uh, if you go the right way, you got to tell you the story on this. Our guys went down to it for the first time and we tried to access it from a 100 mile house, uh, you know, drove down the highway to a 100 mile house and then they took off on the logging road, which they found out was pretty much impassable at one spot. They got the truck hopelessly stuck and took them a few hours to manage to get it back out took it back, made sure it wasn't injured too badly. And the next day they went in the other way and they went in from uh, uh, a place called Clearwater off Highway 5. And it turns out that the road off of Clearwater is like a four lane, well-serviced, uh, you know, uh, service road, uh, better than anything we've got up uh, yeah. where, where we're mining. And uh, they were able to drive right to the project without any issues at all. So they, they, they picked the wrong route the first time. 
But uh, when, when they got there, they spent a lot of time walking around the bush. These are pretty, pretty, uh, pretty energetic guys. We've got over 10 square kilometers down there. And again, this was one of our bargained in specials. We look around, uh, we do a lot of work in the archives and the library looking for opportunities. And we found this one that had been uh, studied extensively for the possibility for molybdenum, molybdenum and copper uh, by numerous companies going back to the 1960s. So there's a lot of homework on it and some assays, but nobody ever assayed for stuff like lithium or rare earths because it wasn't worth anything. Why else. would they? Right, they, they wouldn't, wouldn't be asking for that in the '60s. But but some of the th there's pegmatite, which is where you can find lithium. It's not necessarily going to be there, but there's pegmatite on the project that was identified. So we knew we'd find that unless everybody was lying in the old reports, and it turned out they weren't. So we were able to find the pegmatite uh, or some pegmatite and uh, pick some samples. We've sent those off for assay now. But the XRF gun that we use all the time, it's X-ray fluorescence. We zap them with that gun. And we found uh, uh, readings of uh, anomalous readings of tantalum, niobium, and rubidium. And, uh, you know, go back to my high school thing. Those would be the cool kids. Okay. Those are the ones you want to hang out with. I like it. So I like those, the analogy. Those are indicators, indicators that there, there could be lithium. It could be other rare earths there as well. So the potential is still alive for this thing to contain lithium and rare earths. We'll get some assay results within about four weeks and we'll see. But there's also, we picked up some uh, uh, massive sulfide, just grab samples. Now, these were floaters. Uh, they, they could have come in from anywhere, you know, driven in by the glaciers. Uh, but uh, we zapped those, and there were some interesting findings in those as well. We, we don't put out the XRF numbers because they're they're more qualitative than quantitative. They give you an idea what's in it, but they're, they could be way off in, in terms of the, the numbers. Uh, My XRF has been pretty good on the Quinell for you. So it's been pretty dead on, right? The XRF on that has been spectacular. And we use it daily. Uh, we, we have daily results on, on Quinell. It's fabulous. They bring the drill core back to our shop at the end of the day. And we zap it by morning. I know what we've got, right? We know where we are. And if we're on a dead zone or whatever, we're not hitting any dead zones. But actually, for the nickel, cobalt, chromium, and magnesium, that thing has been close to dead on. Right, so we get the assays back. They're not a surprise. Love it, gotta love when it. You, when you get these random rocks that you scan out in the field, you know, you, you heard, yeah, it's a little more hit and miss. So we're not, uh, we're not putting out the numbers on the on the XRF, except to say that they were anomalous for tantalum, niobium, and rubidium. And uh, we see signs that there could be, you know, what they were originally looking for out there, uh, moly and copper. Maybe they just didn't find the right spots. Uh, the great thing about this property, really easy access. And because of the pine beetle infestation, half of this uh, 10 or 11 square kilometer property has been logged recently. So the trees were basically dying or dead anyway. So they all came down. So the access on here is phenomenal. You, you can see what's what's there, right? And normally it's pretty heavy, heavily forested area. So we like what we see. It's very early going. Uh, this project was another one of our bargain bin specials. Uh, our focus, I don't want anybody to think that our focus is not on Quinell Nickel, but we get the geologists out there looking for other things as well. This project cost us $1,800 to stake. And so far we spent a few days on the ground out there and we'll wait for assay results before we spend any more money on it. Um, so that's... Uh, that's a lithium property. I spent, I spent lithium property. My wife spent $1,800 on souvenirs come back from Greece, and they're not going to get anywhere near the return that you're going to get out of Cali. So clearly, 
I wish I was shopping with you guys, right? Because eighteen hundred dollars—that's almost—that's almost ridiculous. You know, I've seen bar tabs worse than that in Vegas. What's that? I've seen bar tabs worse than that in Vegas. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And here you're picking up something. I mean, I know it's early, but now that you've got, you know, you put boots on the ground. Uh, what do you guys see as potential for cattle? The assays will guide us. Okay, we'll be guided by by those first assays, and we'll see what what happens. But uh, yeah, we we saw enough um, pigmentate down there to be to be excited, uh, and the access is wonderful. Um, a lot of people explored that property. They kept coming back to it, right? Going back to the 1960s, there's a list of companies about 10 companies long. I think Naranda may have been the first yeah. one. Big history. Uh, Big history. Yeah, there's small companies, big companies kept coming back to it. Uh, it. It is heavily mineralized for sure. Whether there's going to be enough of any one thing to make it worthwhile, I don't know. But like I said, the the Pathfinder minerals are there for lithium and rare earths, and uh, yeah, uh, that's what our real hopes are for. Yeah, uh, but for listen, for eighteen hundred dollars and some some good historical uh, data to go off of, if you don't take that, it's kind of like poker even though you're not gambling but if you don't take those odds we're spending eight hundred dollars eighteen hundred dollars and doing a little bit of work to see what you yeah. got then you might as well not be in the exploration business that's your job and i love the fact that you're getting these things so cheap if the assays come back good we can get down there and do some more sampling uh do some backpack drilling you can, you can drill the backpack drill without uh without permits so so we can get down there, and uh, we got some guys who are pretty good with the backpack drill. We got down sixty feet with it in the uh, where the talc was. Nice. So, so, uh, you know, we, we can do some of that, and and uh, yeah, it's it's early stage. Okay, these other projects are early stage. So I want to emphasize that our focus, our budget is going towards drilling on the nickel Absolutely. project. Ninety nine percent of our money is going. Yeah, I won't say ninety nine. Ninety five percent of the money is going. But, uh, but look, it's prudent that. Again, you're picking great resources. It's in your and they're in your neck of the woods. I remember I used to see some companies, they'd have a nickel project in British Columbia and a lithium project in Chile and a zinc project in Zimbabwe. Like how they how do, but everything you've got is right around, you know, where you guys have set up your core competency for knowledge, where you're situated. It just it just makes a lot of sense. Uh, I'm staying close to home uh, for a number of reasons. One of them is my track record investing outside of Canada. When I was a stockbroker, I could predict within a month what country was going to have the next military coup. All I had to do was invest <laughs> my client's money there. I don't know. I don't know how good politics, but I could somehow spot where the next military coup is going to be. I uh, yeah, it's it's just absolutely terrible, uh, and so I learned uh, just to stay away from investing in certain parts of the yeah. world. That it's not that they're bad parts of the world; it's just that my track record there is absolutely awful. So there's enough risk in trying to find uh, uh, you know verifiable uh, economic uh, ore bodies uh, in in Canada. Uh, I don't need to take on all that geopolitical risk. And I don't know if you've noticed what's happening around the world, but I think that geopolitical risk is raising, rising. Just a little bit, just, just a little bit. And you know what, look, especially in battery metals, going back to Quinnell, you know, we now know that the United States of America is putting a heavy premium on battery metal projects that are in North America in friendly hands. And it doesn't get much friendlier than BC in Canada right yeah, so exactly 
you know, why why no why bother if you can't? Warren Buffett said something great. They said, "Watch it, invest overseas more." And he says, "If I have to go five thousand miles away to try and make money, it means I'm not doing a very good job here, right?" So I think you're kind that's, of you know that's a, that's the same philosophy you've got there. So lower grade, but easy access to infrastructure in a safe jurisdiction. You know, people will want this project at some point. That's my view of it. And cool. uh, so we're, we're, we're fattening it up. We're not, we're not hanging a for sale sign on it. Our idea is we could keep cool. advancing this for quite some time to come. But uh, when you look at the vehicle companies now starting to really actively get into uh, looking for mining projects, uh, you know, that's, that's going to be a growing trend. And uh, so well, we just had, you know, uh, they're a little they're a little uh, further ahead of you, but we just had a nickel client of ours uh, last week announced that they made a major deal with a uh, 3D metal uh, powder company who's going to finance them. So direct deal. So you're you're obviously a little behind in terms of, you know, because you just started later. But that's the idea that the macro the macro scene is developing every day. So Quinnell almost gets more valuable on a daily basis, even if you're not doing any work today, right? So you have you have all the time in the world to do what you got to do there. Yeah, and I, I think we could go through a recession fairly easily, uh, which isn't great for commodity prices, but recessions don't last forever. And when we come out of it, we are going to be so constrained for, for all of these uh, critical minerals. And it's going to be amazing, so... So it is a focus of ours right now, eh, but we still have our gold too. So, yeah, that's that's the. I mean, it, 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 look, it's half an hour's gone by, and you know we've talked about nickel, magnesium, lithium, some talc, right? And we can't get everything in, but it's amazing that you're having such great success uh, on on these and others that we can't always get to. But Perry, congratulations on going forty-seven for forty-seven. You're going to be in the you know, in the Agoracom Hall of Fame, because that 47 for 47 is, is funny that we say it, but man, it is iconic. It is pretty unbelievable. Can't wait to have you I back. I think to that number's got to keep climbing. I, I, I can't see any reason based on where we've drilled why we're not going to just keep hitting. Um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll let you know. I'll call you the minute we hit one. But uh, so far, the search for overburden continues. Congratulations, Perry. Thanks for, and thanks for giving us a nice little injection here. You know, in the the dog, the last dog days of August, when everyone's more concerned about barbecues and hanging out a little bit before they get back to the serious work. But when everyone comes back in September, uh, you know, Green River Gold is going to be on a lot of a lot of radar screens. That's for sure. Thanks, George. I appreciate it. If you've been if you've been watching or listened by podcast on Spotify, Google, Apple, your favorite podcast platform, to Green River Gold. And Perry Little is the president and CEO of the company. Trades in Canada, CCR for friends in the US, CCRRF. To do your due diligence, if you want to start off, get to the company's profile page on Agoracom because there is so much going on here. There is the Quinell Nickel Project. There is the Fontaine Gold Project. There is the Calolithium uh, Pegmatite Project. On and on. We give you a great overview of all that so you can get your feet wet, thousand foot view of the company. And then... Head over to the company's website to your deep dive due diligence. Thanks for joining us. Have a great day. See you next time.
Hey guys, this podcast is over. But don't forget to help your company by liking it or even leaving a comment. And then, don't forget to help yourself by following us on Spotify, Google, Apple, or on your favorite podcast platform so you will never miss another one great Agora Gomez Small Cap Podcast.